0: You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and Americanamusicmagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Mark Wayne Glassmeyer was just 10 years old when his parents gave him his first guitar for Christmas. That self-proclaimed shy kid from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, turned his childhood dreams of being a rock star into a professional career of writing and recording music. On this edition of Americana Music Profiles, we talk about his life in music, and his latest CD, Can't Be Denied. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the podcast this afternoon. Hi, Greg. It's nice to be here. Yeah, good to have you. Good to get a chance to to chat. Uh, You are in uh, Texas, right?
1: I, I am. I'm uh, actually in uh, Arlington, Texas.
0: Okay. All right. Cool.
1: Um, right in between Dallas and Fort Worth. For yeah. People I don't know where it is. Yeah. Right in between.
0: Is that is that uh, where you grew up, or is that just where you ended up?
1: <laughs> no,
0: that's <laughs> that's
1: <laughs> where I ended up. Yeah, I uh, I'm originally from uh, Pennsylvania, born and raised in uh, okay. Eastern Pennsylvania. All right. A little steel town called Bethlehem. Yeah. So.
0: And uh, <clears throat> I, I think I read where you. Uh, Kind of get started early with your um, uh, music and uh, a Christmas present, I believe right
1: that's exactly right yeah I got a Christmas I got a guitar for a Christmas present when I was uh, uh, I think around 10 years old, 10, 11 years old, something like that and uh, I was uh, wanted to be a rock star in the, you know like every <laughs> young boy right <laughs> uh, exactly exactly yeah so I've been, been playing quite a while.
0: So, uh, give us a little bit of the story. How, how did you get from uh, Guitar for Christmas to where you are today?
1: Wow, that's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the Reader's Digest yeah,
0: version. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Well, you know, I, I grew up, uh, I'm, a, I'm a child of the 60s, so I grew up uh, listening to uh, where I lived, you know, on the East Coast was, I? you know, I didn't have a whole lot of exposure to certainly not country music as it is today because the country music today was really more like, you know, folk rock when right, I grew right. up. And, and that's kind of what I was, uh, that's kind of what I cut my teeth on growing up and listening to pretty much primarily singer-songwriters, you know, the, the James Taylors and the Cat Stevens and people like that. And they had Simon and Garfunkel and loved the harmonies. And of course, then Crosby, Stills and Nash. And I, I, uh Took on the guitar at a pretty young age and um, never really took it seriously. You know, I, I, you know, kind of like every kid that gets a new toy. It's great for the first couple of months, and then it kind of collects dust in a closet or under right. the bed. And that's kind of what happened with me. I, I took a, a, my parents um, uh, provided me with guitar lessons for a couple of months, and when they realized I wasn't, I wasn't practicing, you know, practicing the scales and yeah. practicing the things they they wanted me to do. I I ended up losing interest and they said, Well heck with this, we're not gonna waste our money yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I put it away for a while and then picked it back up again and the good news was out of the out of the uh, out of the lessons I had I learned, you know, four or five basic chords right. and as I grew older I took the guitar back up again and fiddled around with it and once I got to high school and college I started to take it more seriously again, got into college and was really cool, you know, it was really cool. Chicks love guys with guitars, you know? <laughs> right. So it was, uh, plus it was, I was a pretty shy kid, too. I was, most people, I was I was an athlete. I played sports, football, and wrestling, and went to college for wrestling, as a matter of fact. But I um, I uh, was very shy, and uh, my guitar was my outlet. Sure. And I would, uh, in fact, I literally would sit in the, in the men's bathroom in the in the uh, dorm I was in because it really echoed and had great sound in there, and I played uh-huh. my guitar in there, and it sounded much better than I was.
2: Uh, but anyway,
1: one thing led to another. Uh, I started playing small clubs, coffee houses, and that's eventually how I paid the rest of my way through college. Was playing in any place it would have me.
0: Yeah, wow. And
1: that, that led me to on the being on the East Coast. That led me to playing. Um, I only lived an hour and a half from New York city. And of course there was a big folk scene up there. And, uh, so I started taking a bus to New York city, uh, at least once a week, a buddy of mine and I, another guy, he's technically, technically he was a, he was a peer of mine, but we were both solo acts in, in our town of Bethlehem, PA. And, uh, so we said, well, let's go up there together. Cause he, we were both kind of at the same level. Mm-hmm. And so that's, we were both kind of nervous, and shy and stuff. So, We would take the bus up to new york and (laughs) play up there at the open mics the very first night we went and this was then this was now in the 80s and the very first night we went uh, we went to a place called folk city which was the mecca of folk music uh back in the 60s and the 70s everybody dylan got a start there and Hmm. everybody who was anybody played at folk city and lots of country artists, too. Uh, Towns, Van Zandt, and right, all these yeah. guys, that, that they all played there. And anyway, so so we went in there to play the open mic, and we got there, and you had to pull a number, and I was like number 72, and he was number 73. And, of course, we took the bus in, so we're waiting around, waiting around. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning till we finally got up to play each individually. I got up literally, it was the, it was the host. And her name was Sonny Oaks, who was the sister of the, the late, great Phil Oaks, the mm-hmm. big mm-hmm. uh, folk icon. And she was there, she was the host. And then there was the sound guy and the bartender and a couple of drunk people. <laughs> <The> drunk <laughs> people that was it. We were, we'd already missed our bus back. So we just stayed there all night and played and it led to other gigs. Huh. And, Eventually, it, it we we eventually we ended up teaming up in a duo, and one thing led to another, and uh, played there for three nights a week for years in the in the village, which was a big thing for us in New York City. Sure, and, yeah, um, wow. But that led to somebody hearing us, actually hearing me, and it led to going to Nashville to doing some demos, and uh, one thing led to another. Demo ends up getting in the hands of somebody from Warner Brothers, and they encouraged me to come to Nashville, so I did some more demos down there, and before you know it, I moved to Nashville, mm-hmm. and uh, which was a very big step. This was now in, like, 1995. I started going to Nashville. I was a member of Nashville Songwriters Association, which was a, right. was a really good organization for songwriters, and uh, anyway, one thing led to another, ended up moving to Nashville, was there for 10 years, and, um, Went through a really nasty divorce, and it made a lot of sense. I had to, I had to move out of there, anyways. So I well, I'm going to move to Texas because I had some connections down in Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how I ended up here. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: now, wow. okay. but, yeah, it's a long journey. <laughs> it, yeah. And yeah. when you uh, kind of began picking the car, the, the guitar back up more seriously, um, was there ever a thought? Uh, hey, you know what? Maybe I could do this professionally full time. I kind of see this path ahead of me now kind of thing, or or was it always kind of just being at the right place at the right time?
1: You know, it's probably a combination. I mean, deep down inside, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to uh, really, I really wanted to be, to do it full time as a profession. Uh-huh. But in in all honesty, being totally transparent, I mean, I probably wasn't confident enough to, other people told me I was good enough, yeah. but I wasn't sure I believed it myself, you know. So I always had a job. I always worked, uh, do, even during all that time, even when I was making trips back and forth in New York, I had a full-time job working construction. Uh, my parents had a, con- my dad was a contractor, so I worked, I worked construction days, and then I'd jump in the car and, well, eventually, first, initially I took a bus, but eventually I started driving in, and I'd get off of work at around 5.30, get cleaned up, drive to New York, Play for three or four hours, turn around, drive back, wow. get home around 3 o'clock in the morning, and go to work again at six o'clock in the morning. So, wow. but I did that for years, and but but I, you know, the passion and the desire was sure. there. I mean, yeah. That's really what I wanted to do, and and you know, it was it was I always I I you know I was I was never confident enough, at least during those times, to feel like well, I just need to do this full time. I I wanted to, but I. You know, I had uh, a wife and three stepkids and was trying to raise the family and keep a roof over their heads. Yeah. And, you know, it's, a, it's a tough juggling act. Lots of sure. people go through it. Yeah. It's a tough thing. Way better if you're single.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Way easier in a lot of ways, you know. what was there anyway, a, yeah. So,
0: was there a time during that when you uh, recall feeling that confidence kind of click in? I mean, you're already doing it and and uh y- you know still f- y- you mentioned a couple minutes ago f- feeling like you didn't quite have the uh the belief in yourself yet do you do you recall when that happened
1: uh, you know i'll tell you i I'll tell you what i think What i think it was for me i was i was down in nashville i still live in Pennsylvania, but i was going back and forth in nashville quite a bit uh, primarily with the national song doing things with the national songwriters association and I went to the Bluebird, you, you're familiar with the Bluebird, I'm guessing. Yes, uh-huh. Uh, Bluebird, Bluebird Cafe is a very famous uh, place in Nashville and it's kind of the place, as a songwriter, singer-songwriter, it's kind of like the place to play. Right. And, um, I mean, short of, you know, one of the big stages, but it's it's a really important place to play. It's C and B scene, one of those things. Very intimate, very small. And anyway, I went there with some friends and I was still really pretty pretty shy. And I went in there, and probably not not real confident, but I went in there, and um, there was an open mic. And there was this guy, there was actually, the open mic there was on a Monday night, and you think, well, everybody in Nashville's great. Well, that's mm, not, right. there's a lot of really great people, but right. there's a lot of people that, you know, probably aren't ready for it.
0: Right, right.
1: And I went in there thinking, uh, I saw this, I watched this guy, and he was, he was not very good. And he had recently moved there from uh, from some some place far away, and he'd moved to Nashville because he was following his dream. And he got up there, and he was again. He wasn't, he, and you know, not to be critical of anybody, but he sure. just wasn't ready and was not very good. And I thought, man, if this guy, if this guy can do it, if this guy has the confidence to yeah. do it, I gotta have the confidence
0: yeah. to do it. Yeah.
1: And and that really literally led to me uh, moving there. I, mean, I moved there probably the next year, and or maybe even within the next six months. I mean, it was a real short period of time from when yeah. I saw that guy. Yeah, I, I need to make this commitment. If he can do it, I can do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of that was kind of the turning point for me.
0: Hmm. That's awesome. Um, I think I read too where you you had an opportunity to. Um, uh, y- you mentioned. Um, uh, Phil's daughter, uh, but but I think you got to work with him on a PBS show. Is that right? Well, not
1: with him because he, he was already he had he had uh, passed away back in the early seventies, I think. But uh, Phil Oaks, they have a Phil Oaks Song Night. Okay, he was like legend in the village back in the sixties. He was he was equal. Really, they said he was second only to Bob Dylan, and huh. he was uh, the difference was he. I think well. Not to take anything away from Bob Dylan, because Bob Dylan is Bob Dylan, but but um, but he was pretty well respected, and he you know he was uh, he started but again this was the '60s, and he became very politically active, and uh, he was by today's standards it would be considered mild, but at the time he was very outspoken and kind of took a different path.
0: Okay. But at any rate,
1: still very well revered, and they have a I don't know if they still do it, but I know that they did. They had been doing it, certainly when I was there. They would ha- every year. In fact, it's around this time of the year, it's like October, November, they have a Phil Oak song night. And all the old folkies, like Dave Van Rock would play there, and uh, Tom Paxton, and Melanie, and Joni Mitchell showed up one night, and uh, hmm. all these folk legends. Uh, would come out and they'd do Oak songs and i was part of i was part of that uh, actually on a couple of occasions where was filmed on pbs and okay. was a, it was really quite an experience
0: yeah 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 that's neat was that uh pre or post nashville
1: that was pre yeah that was pre okay okay yep pre-nashville
0: and when and i think i also read that that songwriting is is kind of been a a, a pretty uh, significant piece of this for you too is that right
1: it is, yeah. It has been. Um, you know, that's another thing. I really didn't start writing seriously until probably, probably around when I started going to New York, which was in the which was in the mid eighties. Okay, and uh, that's when I really and again being around up there, being around other writers like that's really it was truly my first exposure, other than the radio, mm-hmm. you know, to hearing people do songs that they wrote themselves. And, um, so it was, for me, it was, it was kind of like a, an opening period. And I started to become, you know, as he became more confident, you know, it's not easy, no. it's not easy to write to, you know, yeah. you know, as a, yeah. as a writer yourself, yeah. as a journalist, you know, it's, it's, you're laying everything out on the line and you're, sure. you're setting yourself up for, uh, for criticism yep. and, and yep. people making fun of you, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you name it. So it's, it takes some guts to do it. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, it took me. That's another thing. Even recogni- recognizing myself as an artist uh, to say, "Yeah, I'm an artist," it took me a long, <laughs> you know. Again, I came from a blue collar family where you worked. Everything you did, you could you pick up a hammer and you hammer. That's yeah. like you can see. You can hold it in your hand. It's not like artsy stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and
1: so it took me a long time to acknowledge that I that I am an artist. And uh, but now I'm now I embrace it.
0: Yeah. Uh, so it took me a long time yeah. to acknowledge that how was the um uh the, the music scene in that you were immersed in on the east coast uh how how did that differ and and how was that experience for you moving to kind of the mecca of music nashville and and trying to experience songwriting in in that part of the country
1: well i'll tell you it's it's in some ways it's drastically different and in some ways it's very very similar in fact, the first time I went into the Bluebird, um, it reminded me so much of Folk City. It was like going back. It was almost mm-hmm. like, "Geez, I, is this the same town?" Yeah. Now, in terms of the quality of the of the performers and the writing, uh, certainly at least the part that I was in, um, Nashville is light years ahead in terms of where. Where I was at the time, it was it was because these were in Nashville, these were these are professional writers. This is what they do right. and and you have that and you obviously you have it in a city the size of new york. you you have that too, but it's not as concentrated. it's it's more spread out in Nashville, um, you know there's fifteen to twenty thousand songwriters right in Nashville. And sure. Nashville, although it's grown quite a bit, it's nowhere near the size of New York City, and it's all. Pretty much concentrated in one or two areas
0: right, yeah.
1: and uh, so everybody in nashville is a songwriter or knows somebody who is a songwriter mm-hmm. has some kind of connection yeah you know and it's everywhere and it was a bit intimidating at first because even even like as a performer and playing my guitar i mean you think you hear the best and then you go out you go out to these places and somebody just knocked it out of the park and it's like, holy cow. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was kind of like, geez, I don't even know if I play in plan for these people because <laughs> <laughs> you know, some are so yeah. good.
2: Yeah. It's crazy.
1: And yeah. it's the same thing with the writers. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. I was really blessed to have, to have had that exposure that I had where I did and then to take it in, in my opinion, it was like taking it up the next, the next notch was yeah. going to Nashville and yeah. writing there and learning so much. It's a, du- I'd never co-written a song until I got to Nashville.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, well, actually, that's, true. that's not true. That That is not true. I actually, it was a result of me going to Nashville that I ended up co-writing my first song, but okay. it was with somebody that I met there.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but prior to that, I'd never even heard of it before, of co-writing and never, other than, you know, famous broadway people i'd never heard of co-writing it
0: yeah. like you do it on your own huh. um so yeah so so you you know, you um spend a, a season in nashville and and over the course i'm assuming during that time and, and then you move back to texas you picked up a couple of songwriting awards and uh got a new record out um called can't be denied which what, what number is this for you
1: it's actually, technically, it's my fifth CD, but it's my seventh uh, project. Okay. I did one, I had a project called Sad Songs, which was an LP that I did back in early 1980s. And then I did an EP with a group of friends from New York, as a matter of fact, hmm. um, that uh, I did an EP that was like mid-80s. And then the, then the CD, yeah, the advent of the CDs came around in the 90s. And so this is my fifth CD.
0: And this one is out or on the way out? How long?
1: It is. It, it, uh, technically, officially, it dropped uh, in October, October 12th, but okay. it, uh, it's actually been available for a little bit longer than that.
0: And uh, the um, obviously you've written all of the songs on the CD. How, how long did it take you to put this one together?
1: You know, it, this one was a combination of some old stuff and some new stuff. Okay. And uh, so it, it's uh, some stuff that I had recorded, but I, I, I guess written, but never really recorded and released. So it was probably a, uh, the recording itself, the recording period itself took about three months. But the, uh, you know, I would say probably a year, year and a half it took to put it together okay. to, to where I thought it would be a product.
0: What What's it look like? No, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I just say it's it's, it's somewhat
1: uh, uh, eclectic is probably too strong a word yeah. because the, the songs all have a common thread. But if you listen to it, you'll hear you'll, you can pick up different different influences, okay. let's say.
0: Yeah. And what's it look like to, to be on tour with this? Have you do you have a specific tour schedule that you're working now or how, what's what's playing out look like for you?
1: Well, I am I am actually working on my 2019 uh, schedule right now. I mean, I've, I've played a b- bunch of dates this year, you know, basically promoting the new record, but I'm really focusing on 2019. Um, so I'll be, all, of course, all through North America, including Canada, and I'll be doing some things, possibly even in Mexico. I've performed down yeah. there before, and I've always done really well down there, And believe it or not. And... Um, yeah, and I'm hoping also to get over to the UK. I've got quite a following over there, so um, possibly Australia, New Zealand, but that's not—that's kind of a long shot right yeah, now. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but it, but I'm getting a lot of airplay there, which is oh, always amazes me. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Yeah,
0: that's cool. I just
1: had—I tell you—a a funny thing. I just had this just this week. Uh, I got a message on Facebook from a guy in Ireland, and he said, "Hey, dude." Um, my band and I just recorded one of your songs, and we love it, and we'd like you to take a, a look at it and take a listen to it. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was really kind of is a song that I put out. It was a single for me uh, back in 2012, and it, done, it had actually done pretty well. And um, But they just recorded it. So it's really, you know, it's, it's funny because I was listening to this, and I thought, I'm listening to this song. I did. I write that. Holy cow! It's actually pretty good. <laughs> I pat myself in the back. Hey, yeah, you're all right. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. That 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 that's a pretty good indication that the artist in you finds its way out, even if you don't think it does. You know, when you can appreciate yeah, your own yeah. work and 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 actually be disconnected from it from the perspective of that you're not even sure you're the one that wrote that.
1: <laughs> I know, and, and you know, it's funny because you know you listen, you sing your you sing your songs live and then you listen to your own recordings, but it takes on a whole nother life when somebody else does it. Yeah. And it's like, Oh my God, you can really sit back and listen to it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, geez, this is, this is actually pretty darn good. I yeah. can't believe I wrote that. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It's so fun, yeah. uh, where can folks find your tour schedule, get a copy of your new CD? What's the best way to, to get in touch?
1: Uh, best way to get in touch is probably go to my website, which is uh, MarkWayneGlassmeyer.com. Glassmeyer, spelled G-L-A-1-S-M-I-R-E, uh, MarkWayneGlassmeyer.com, all one word. Um, that's the best place to look. I, it's currently not up to date. I need to get it up to date. I've got somebody working on that for me right now. The, the uh, date, uh, I do a lot of I do a lot of private stuff and a lot of corporate stuff, so I don't typically post that. But I'm I'm gonna start I'm gonna start putting that stuff on yeah, there, okay?
0: Um,
1: just to fill up my schedule. But that it'll you know within the next few weeks that should be that should be populated and, and look pretty good. So that's the best place. You can also find me on Facebook. Um, you know most of the social media uh, platforms and um, Google me. Um, I'm on there. I actually have a Wikipedia page. How about wow, that? Yeah, cool. <laughs> that's, that's, um, I'll tell you, I'm Scotland man. But I uh, yeah, don't even know how it got there, but it's yeah. there. And uh, so I, I'm sure it's all true. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's the best place. Probably go to my website. Yeah,
0: awesome. Cool. Well, thanks, Mark. It's been fun.
1: Thank you, Greg. I really appreciate it.